here on the one 91 FN. I'm sorry to interrupt that song. That was knowing the whales, blue skies, but we'll come back to that. We have uh, with me in the studio. I'm going to say your names wrong. Okay, we have <laughs> Hugh Bed, the editor at large, in large or at large of the critic, and Maria Maria Maria. Sorry, Colombo, a PhD in social psychology, and we're going to be discussing last week's critic editorial: pay gap in sports not discriminatory. And if you have any questions for either of these people as the discussion goes on, you can text us into 0212 Radio One. That's 0212723461. And that was an editorial that gotten a lot of discussion, um, uh, I guess, on the social media sphere and in letters. And I guess since um, Hugh wrote it, he can start. You can say, <laughs> I don't know what you want to say. I mean, how do you want to yeah. defend yourself? Because you said you've gotten a lot of feedback on this editor. Mate, I've got so much feedback, it's not funny. This will be the last time I ever speak about this. All right. Uh, basically, I think what's really made it worse for me is the fact that I wrote the editorial on that week. And then that weekend was the weekend where it came out that the U.S. women's team was going to sue, uh, I suppose, the U.S. soccer corporation or mm -hmm. whatever it is that they were getting paid unfairly which is quite funny because it's something that I completely agree with like they shouldn't be getting paid less yeah they should be getting paid more than the men even because they're more successful than the men yeah 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 so and that was that was the whole basis of my editorial was to say that you should be getting paid by the amount of revenue that you bring in to the organization mm -hmm. and so it wasn't trying to say that men should be getting paid more because they are better athletes or they you know better in that circumstance it was more that they seem to generate more revenue because they get more viewership more sponsorship and all the rest of it and therefore they get more you know revenue yeah and yeah. paid more yeah the women's team is really a shocking one because I, I listened to some podcasts on that and they also play on like much uh, lower quality fields like, yeah that was yeah. another issue that was really a shocker and um so the, um, we're kind of assuming everybody's read the editorial <laughs> um so maybe we'll go, we'll go over to i'm gonna say your name wrong again maria maria and yeah. What exactly did you find uh, offensive in this editorial? Cool. Well, I'm just going to respond to a few okay. things you yep. said to stat. Um, we don't want you to stop talking about this. I think that the fact that the editorial was written and that it created conversation post hoc is exactly the role of freedom of speech in the world. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't say things that might offend people or hurt people, but that we're willing to engage in an open dialogue. So I congratulate you on coming here and I encourage you to not just give up um, hope. These are really dense topics. and. To some degree, if you're not someone who might suffer from them, they're really hard to engage in yeah. as well. Um, and then I guess I have a few things. Um, so one of the big issues I drew from the article was that there was an argument made about how men are more interesting to watch, perhaps just in Hugh's opinion, but that was one of the driving um, kind of thesis of his argument, that because they're more interesting to watch, they get higher viewership. Um, and I guess the big issue I take with this whole discussion about pay gap in sports is it's treating sports or the pay in sports like a meritocracy. So we pay based on merit. Um, but in order for a meritocracy to make sense, we have to have an equal playing field to start. And we don't actually see that in sports at all. As Hugh actually well done pointed out, the grassroots support for women in sports is really, really low. And so by the time we're getting to the professional level, the playing field is so unequal that paying on merit is just a continuation of pre-existing um, discrimination against women. So you're kind of saying that men's sports, because they have so much funding, even at a junior level, they're starting uh, 50 yards ahead, as Martin Luther King said about affirmative right. action. And also they have a historical institution of playing sports. Um, so as a uh, as a female, growing up um, cis female, um, 
we are not as encouraged or expected to play sports the same way that men are. Um, and that's damaging on both sides of the equation. It damages men when they're told they must play sports and it damages women when they're told they shouldn't. Um, and that sociological phenomenon of discrimination is really pervasive. And we see that trending all the way through up until the top echelons of sport. Do you have a response to that, Hugh? Yeah, well, that's something I completely agree with. But when I was talking more about my editorial, it was more about just assessing the situation as it was at the moment. I understand that, you know, there's underlying factors as to why, you know, men's sport is more popular at the current moment. And that is something that I think needs to be addressed. Mm. And mm. I guess I guess my, my critique on that, which is what my response was in um, trying to allude to, maybe I should be more specific, is that as the editor of The Critic, those shouldn't have to be things that the audience has to assume that you are considering and choosing to not discuss. As an editor of The Critic, we would hope that your opinion pieces could be couched in facts and some sort of um, kind of information gathering that you have used to, to justify your decision making. So by merely saying this is the existing and it's because men have more income actually ignores a huge part of the argument that is definitely more pervasive than the amount of income the teams are receiving. But do you think that at grassroots level they do get more income or do you think it's the fact that more men are playing sport and therefore receiving more income? Because I know at say, I remember playing rugby with girls at a very low age but when you get to about 9, 10 they'd all sort of drop out for whatever reason uh, and that's why they wouldn't get the funding it's because no one was playing it. Um, so I think there's a few things to discuss about that. First of all, high schools should um, don't, not all um, women's female high schools um, have women's rugby teams. I actually but, do play rugby yeah. for Southern. Is but it's not a question always of the funding that's happening, but the exposure to those sports that we have. I know for yeah. a fact, because we tried to lobby for a women's rugby team at my school, that it was not deemed an appropriate sport for women. Yeah, that may, yeah, I understand that. You know, it shouldn't be like that at all. I remember our school, there was a women's rugby team but they struggled each week with numbers and it was one of the you know tougher things there right was I mean the numbers that they got I play rugby now for Southern and even still I watch fantastic rugby teams even um, like Pirates who have won two years in a row struggle for numbers week to week but yeah. to think that women should have to start enjoying and playing sports at 18 when they come to university to play for club is totally inconsequential contradiction to how men are told they can play, play sports and remembering that these things are cyclical so when I watch an All Blacks rugby game I don't see a represent, representative of my gender playing on the television so what part of um, the advertising in sports is telling me as a female that I have the possibility the ability and the funding to pursue my dreams in that rugby career Nothing. Whereas a male sits on the TV and you can watch, you know, all of the legends of rugby and know that this is a this is a dream for you and it is achievable. But I mean, I do think things are changing. Have you ever watched the TV program Small Blacks TV, which no. is aimed at primary school children? Half of that show is female rugby players Great. on that show. So I do think things are changing. But you've still yeah. got to have like you can invest all the money and resources that you want to get women playing rugby at a younger age, but. They've still got to want to play, if you know what I mean. I yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think that I I, I do think this topic comes in a from a bigger issue, right? But yeah. I don't think that these issues were necessarily brought up in your editorial. And imagine yeah. the perspective that that editorial gives to two sides of the argument: one, a female who is hoping to play sports professionally, and b, a male who truly believes that 
um, or a female who truly believes that women should not be making the equal amount of money as men. These were opinions that were being kind of couched in truths to justify discrimination based on gender. And as an editor of The Critic, I do have huge issue or as a as a student of this community who pays into a student services fee that pays for the critic I do have an issue with an editor who won't go that extra mile to research the counter arguments to their claim yeah I did think I tried to put that in in that last bit where I said that there should be more money invested into grassroots rugby yeah and, I, and gra- I not rugby that. sorry but grassroots is, sport. is there anything to say like um just to I mean, I'm going to play devil's advocate a bit that yeah. maybe women don't want to play rugby maybe there's not enough women because like for example that's, that's the argument that I find like, like just for example like if you ask somebody in America I know, I don't know I mean who's your favorite tennis player you, I bet you could find that a lot of people would say Serena Williams you totally know? and so maybe that's just where like women don't want to play rugby I mean, yeah for sure so you can put all the funding and in the world into that you, and then you, could, you could say it on the other foot why do men not play nipple I mean at a very young age it's exactly the same and I and I it's just seen that it's, it's an ingrained sort of gender thing from a very young age that men will play rugby. Yes, um, and girls will play women. Ah, girls will play women. So girls, girls will play. Freudian slip. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. And so, and so, I think that this is the interesting part of the debate: is that mm. equality is not about looking the same; it's about equal opportunity. But I would definitely argue that our opportunities are not equal, and I agree for the reverse of it. So I'm not on here simply to advocate that women should be playing primarily male-dominated sports, but that sports and opportunity or modeling or swimming or gymnastics or um, you know acting should be something that is equally accessible for anybody regardless of gender or the gender with which they identify mm. um, but I think that you know there the question of whether we should be operating sports in a meritocracy or the way you were saying it in your editorial um, and I don't know if this is because a lack of um, like research around it or a true opinion is that women should be paid less because they generate more revenue but even if we look at the percentages of revenue they're not equal so a WNBA player makes 33% of what the revenue is which is substantially less than the revenue of the NBA players who are making 52% of the overall income so to argue that this is a question of revenue and not an underlying gender discrimination is kind of ignoring a huge part of this equation. Yeah, I think when you get into the revenue side of it, though, I mean, I don't want to open that can of worms. That's a massive can of worms because, like, even with LeBron James, and I'm, this is not about gender or anything, that he's making 17% of the general. He was making 17% right. of the income of the Miami Heat, and you can make a really big argument. Like, you can see how much the Miami Heat lost when he left. I mean, he's so the pay in sport is a very Sorry, yeah, man. a lot of those sort of, you know, the pay like for LeBron James and stuff will come from third-party deals, sponsorship deals such as shoe, endorsements and all that sort of stuff. So it's not just the revenue that LeBron James is bringing to the NBA that he's getting paid an equivalent of. It's also the revenue that he would bring, say, Nike, for wearing Nike shoes, and that would also add to his worth. Um, no, so no. even if we look at those sponsorship opportunities, say uh, the women make less for those, and also we wouldn't necessarily talk about sponsorship as equal work. So you can strip all the sponsorship out of it, and the facts I just gave you are without considering the the additional sponsorship opportunity that will yeah. take someone's right. network from like seventy eight to two hundred million dollars. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to we're going to take a, a short break, play a few tracks, and then we got a few texts coming in with some questions, so we'll get some audience participation cool. and. Uh, so we'll cut out to some music coming up now. We have the Moonlight with Sunset Inside, and then we'll be back to continue discussing the Critic editorial last week with Hugh and 
Maria? Yeah. yeah. I got it. All right. Because when you, <laughs> when you question any names, you always uh, keep saying the one yeah. wrong in your head. And as always, you're on the one, 91 FM. You're on the one, 91 FM, this academic life debating discrimination, pay gap, and sports with Hugh Bed and Maria. Maria. <laughs> Maria. <laughs> I'm going to throw the pen across there. Fourth time lucky, yeah. And we're going to get to a few texts, and then we're going to continue talking about this issue. And um, the first text, what about child rearing? So I'm going to throw that open to you guys. What about child rearing? No, I take that away, Bear. Don't do it. (laughs) Well, it's just different for every situation, I suppose. When we were talking before about the how it all begins and the way that uh, women's sport doesn't get the exposure at a young age. Surely child rearing isn't playing into your mind at a young age as to whether you're going to take up a sport or not. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um, or whether you'll be pouring money, investing into it at a young age. Uh, okay, I think I see where you're coming from here. I, I think that the issue is that... Well, there's two sides to this argument, and I don't really know what that text exactly meant. Um, but yeah. if, if it is, hey, you can't play sports because you're a woman and you have to give birth to children... Um, I'm not going to respond to that because that's a ridiculous claim. Also, <laughs> I think that the average sports woman, their span, you know, or your career is only about 10 years. So there's still time for children afterwards, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't think it takes away from your ability to have children. Right. Well, I think that this is talking about the sociological expectation that women will eventually child rear and so looking down the pipeline of of what it means to be a female means that okay I'm going to do this do this and then at some point I'm going to have to take time off obviously to have children and so uh, it it seems it's it's a good argument but um, I don't know if there's too much point getting into it right now um, because I think it kind of brings in a whole other basket of sociological issues um, that we need to address in addition to this pay discrimination in sports. Mm. That's not just limited to sports, though, either. Oh, yeah, it's everywhere. That's that's any career field. Right, Mm. and that careers are totally unsuitable to support women, for the most part, as they're um, raising people of the future. (laughs) Which is a very important role. The next text is, it's all capitalist rhetoric. Doesn't mean much if we don't form stable relationships or perpetually use the value systems of our own unconscious slavery to define ourselves. I think the whole debate is redundant. F rugby, F feminism, both violent. Hugh, I'll let you take that one. Fantastic text message. (laughs) Well, yeah, it is all capitalist rhetoric. You know, you get paid what you bring in, the amount of revenue that you can generate. And I think Here's my argument. If you were... The main sort of things that I talk about are large team sorts of things, but if you were to split, say the New Zealand Rugby Board, we were discussing rugby before. If you were to split New Zealand Rugby into women's rugby and men's rugby, they both have two boards, two chairmen, two chairmen, mm-hmm. you know, advertising, all the rest of it, would the woman still get paid the same amount as men? You know? Well, the NIU pulls a lot of money from the government, right? So the government um, basically gives a donation to NIU every single year. So if the government made the conscious and awesome decision to funnel a huge amount of money to both teams and to give equal output there, then, I mean... But then still, you've got that advertising, advertising revenue and all the rest of it on top, which would bump up both sides. Right, but you'd it's not equal work. So that's the issue. Is not like, equal work? So if, Why would you say it's not equal work? Well, so if, so say, um, so if Rich McCaw wants to get a deal with Bonds, 
he can make as much money as he wants from Bonds. He's doing additional work to his nation, to his rugby playing as like a nation icon. Bonds, you mean like the undies company? Yeah, or like whoever yeah, he yeah. wants to run. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that. I was yeah, like, yeah, Bonds, I don't know. Bonds? Oh, I was like, But ah. if you were to just say the salary of the rugby players, the, right. the athletes, there would be huge, you know, differences between the pays between women and men if you were to run them as two separate entities. Based on... Advertising, revenue, everything that... So the money basically comes from advertising and sponsorship deals because the advertisers want to see their brands at the stadiums, on the TV, all the rest of it. But women's sport don't generally get large crowds, so advertisers aren't going to put their money into it, which comes back, once again, to, you know, why do people not go along to, you know, women's sport? Right. Well, so my side note to that would be if you're playing in the same field, so if you take our lovely stadium right now and you chuck your men's games in there with all the advertising that they have, those brands are not going anywhere during the women's games. It's not that we turn those brands away as a women's game comes in. So, But the problem is our women's team, if our national team came down, are they playing in the stadium? Do they even have the equal opportunity for that exposure? But when it costs so much to rent out Forsyth Bar when you're not going to generate the numbers to come along to the women's game, you're going to be running at a huge you know, deficit if the women go and play inside the stadium and they don't attract any crowds to go and watch. Right, so again, we're operating on this... We're, we're operating under like a few premises here that are, are difficult to argue with because there's not much to say. So yeah. we're operating under the assumption that if um, the black friends came here, nobody would go watch, which given that I don't... In comparison to a men's game. Right, but again, it's operating under that assumption, which... Yeah. I, I, when was the last time the black friends came and played at Forsyth Bar Stadium? Couldn't even tell you a single black friend. Right. So I think mm. that the issue is that when we don't have equal opportunity, we're running on these metrics that we have no idea what we're talking about. But I, it's also sort of like the chicken and the egg, which came first. You know, like you can't advertise to people to go along when they don't know what they're going along to, if you know what I mean. And then, yeah. <laughs> I if, if you sort of get my point. Yeah, you know, I yeah. see where you come like, from. I mean, I guess the thing is, is that are, where is the onus? So the problem with status quo discussions is that in order for us to break the status quo, the requirement is that the, the, the person who is being discriminated against needs to have a completely sound and bulletproof argument as to why we should be, why we should be breaking this mode. And it's putting a lot of onus on people who are being victimized on some level. So women are making less in the sports realm, and we, we know that from the statistics, but it's putting a huge amount of onus to change a status quo that has a ton of issues already. So we can already poke ho- holes in what's going on, but we're not willing to make amendments or to make any changes until we have a 100% foolproof argument. And so this this discussion will always become cyclical because the onus really needs to be top down. That was my argument, yeah. is that you need to start equalizing that gap because you're right as a female rugby player like the technique aside like I would never be a professional rugby player I am amazed by some of my friends who are gunning for that because but they're looking down the pipeline of not necessarily making enough money to support themselves where, where would the money come from to pay these female rugby players if the government was giving the equal amount of money to male and female players we would immediately be able to increase the revenue that women's teams generate so taxpayers money but the taxpayers' money is already going right now 100% to the All Blacks, almost. And I don't get, think there's that much. They rely mostly on sponsorship deals. They got an extra million dollars this year from the, After the running government. a deficit. 
I mean, if they're running yeah. a deficit, then I think the government should question whether they're putting taxpayer money into it full stop. Well, this is interesting, but I want to quick, we're running out of time. I want to quickly touch upon two things real quick. One is the, the comment in your article, Hugh, about the, uh, the modeling that help, yep. you know, female models make a lot more than men's models, where there's maybe some similarities between that and the rugby. And then, um, Another question I had for you is you said you got a lot of feedback on this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. email. And I know there's a comment in there about the beach volleyball team, and you said it was a joke. Bad, bad I joke didn't think it was a joke. I didn't think it was very funny, personally, but I guess yeah. I defend your right to say it. Do you think that universities <laughs> are losing a, a sense of humor? Like, like maybe... Yes. Yes, you say I yes. I think that. I think we're <laughs> far too politically correct. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Can I respond? Yeah, yeah, of course. And then cool. we'll not have to cut away after yeah, that. Yeah, cool. So the first thing I'll say about modeling is I talked about that in my response letter. Yeah. I agree. If Equal pay for equal work. Um, although people like to think feminism is simply for women, it's about equality full stop. Um, and I'm very happy for modeling to look towards an equal pay for equal work model. Yeah. Um, because I'm arguing that for sports for women, I feel the same on the converse side. In terms of the in terms of the comment about beach beach volleyball, which I really didn't touch on in my article, um, for a few reasons. One, I, I recognised it was an attempt at humour, um, but the second side is it's not about losing humour. It's about um, recognising that your humour is suited to um, a certain group of people who are affecting the lives of other people. So for you to say something like, I enjoy watching beach volleyball, that is leading into the hypersexualization of females and especially female athletes. And as a female, I am I just the same way you are allowed to say what you would like, yeah. I am allowed to respond to that by saying mm -hmm. that this is what you do to females in that comment. Yeah. And as an editor of the critic, again, you are you should be upholding not just a level of common sense around those comments but making your editorial available to a huge range of people if i wanted to discuss race i would not open with a racist statement yeah that, that comment was supposed to be a sarcastic jab at the whole discussion of, uh, of maybe it was has been taken the wrong way and i apologize for it awesome thank you All we right, love we'll, that we'll end on that nice note and thank you both for coming on today yeah, it was a good talk there was a lot of feedback on this hopefully and thanks for all those texting in and all those listening out there in Radio Land and uh, coming up now we have Indy with Abyss and you're on the one 91FM